1: on Local Now, Channel 525. Breaking news this hour at townhall.com. I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. The group of 20 top world economies have welcomed the African Union as a member as their annual summit gets underway today in India. In his remarks the gathering, President Biden said the U.S. will take part in a multinational plan to create a rail and shipping corridor to link India with the Middle East.
2: I'm proud to announce that we've finalized the historic agreement for a new uh, India Middle East Europe economic corridor as uh, as a key part of this corridor we're going to invest in ships and rail that extends the India this extends from India all the way to Europe connected by the UAE Saudi Arabia Jordan and Israel bridging ports
1: across two continents. President Biden speaking today at the G20 Economic Summit in India. The Second Amendment is now on hold in parts of New Mexico.
3: Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham issued the 30-day emergency public health order temporarily suspending the right to carry firearms in public across Albuquerque and surrounding Bernalillo County in response to a spate of gun violence. The Democrat governor expects legal challenges but says she was compelled to act after several recent deaths including a suspected road rage shooting this week outside a minor league baseball stadium that killed an 11-year-old boy. The firearm suspension is tied to a threshold for violent crime rates currently only met by the Albuquerque area.
1: That's De Roxtra, more than 1,000 people dead from a powerful earthquake that struck in Morocco. The
4: epicenter was on the Atlas Mountains on the outskirts of Marrakech, this ancient city. Luckily, the epicenter was on the mountain. But on the other hand, having the epicenter in the mountain makes most of the areas that have been affected by the earthquake in a remote areas and in villages with old houses, which might take days to
1: reach. That report from the BBC's Mohammed Taha. More from townhall.com.
5: Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. Are you one of the nearly 10 million families
2: that own a timeshare? Unfortunately, many families stuck in timeshares have learned the dark side of ownership, as their timeshare ends up being nothing like they were promised. I'm Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group. If you are lied to and buying a timeshare, you're going to need help. I know this because I once worked as a timeshare salesman but quit the business and made it my personal mission to help folks get rid of bad timeshares. That's why I put together a timeshare exit information kit to help you understand how the timeshare industry works and your options for cancellation. Over 30,000 families have trusted us to get rid of their timeshares. Many started out by simply calling us
3: for the free information kit and are now timeshare free. To get your free information kit, call Wesley Financial now. 800 939 1331. That's 800 939 1331. 800 939 1331. 1. A
1: growing number of parents across the country are being criminally charged with murder or manslaughter after their children die from fentanyl.
5: Some 20 states now have homicide laws that stem from drug use, allowing prosecutors to charge someone with murder who supplies or exposes a person to drugs that kill the victim, and that includes their children. But California has no such law, so several prosecutors are using a drunk driving statute. It's being tested now in the case of Tara Waite and Colin Cottrell of Riverside. Their 14-month-old daughter, Allison, died of a fentanyl overdose, the drug found on the couch and throughout the apartment. Cottrell's attorney says the father did not intend for his child to die, but prosecutors are going for a murder conviction. I'm Jackie Quinn.
1: On Wall Street Friday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed up by 75 points. Breaking news and analysis at townhall.com. Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney Fannie Willis is accusing House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan of illegal intrusion into her prosecution of former President Trump through his records request.
3: In a scathing letter sent to Chairman Jordan on Thursday, D.A. Willis wrote, quote, your attempt to invoke congressional authority to intrude upon and interfere with an active criminal case in Georgia is flagrantly at odds with the Constitution. The District Attorney also noted that his, quote, violation of Georgia's sovereignty is offensive and will not stand. Willis' letter comes in response to one Congressman Jordan sent last month, expressing concerns about the motivations behind her Trump investigation and demanding that she provide certain documents by Thursday. Edwin Mora, Washington.
1: The remains of two people who died in the 9-11 terrorist attacks to at World Trade Center have been identified, one man and one woman. More of these stories at townhall.com.
3: Zoom Video Communications, Inc. has openings for machine learning engineers in San Jose, California. This position will solve cutting-edge AI problems and deploy models that constantly advance the -the state-of-the-art technology. Work across various natural language processing, NLP areas like speech-to-text, translation, summarization, sentiment analysis, text-to-speech, and other projects that are challenging at Zoom scale. Telecommuting work arrangement permitted. Position may work in various unanticipated locations throughout the U.S., Offering a salary of 167000 to $233,900. Apply online at career.
5: Welcome to the heart of innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape brought to you by patient advocacy group thewaytomyheart.org in partnership with cardiovascular system incorporated's patient advocacy campaign take a stand against amputation here are your hosts for the heart of innovation emmy award-winning journalist and founder of the way to my heart kim mcnicholas and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. I mean, this week has just been a whirlwind for me, so it's no surprise that... Dr. John Phillips, my co-host, is on call today, and he has emergencies. He might be in, he might be out. So we may hear from him at some point during the next hour, but I just don't know. He's in the OR, the operating room right now, trying to save someone's leg, and we will see when he comes out, if he comes out, before the show ends. So a lot of things up in the air. We also may have on a couple of guests today who are vascular surgeons down in Mexico, but we are waiting for their Plane to land. So that's also a big question. My co host for the day, though, at least for right now, is going to be Dr. Robert Coronado. He's going to be joining us in just a few moments. Robert, are you there with us today? Sure. Good morning. Hi, how are you?
6: Good. How are you, Kim?
0: Fantastic. Thank you for jumping in, pinch hitting today. How was your week?
6: It's been, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. Of course, of course. It's uh, it's always an honor. I love, I love these kind of you know events, and I love I I follow you. I I see what you're doing out there, and not just locally, but around the globe. Uh, I heard you uh, just traveled recently to Mexico, and I know you. What you're doing is amazing, Kim. It, It really is an example to to the whole world, whether you're in medicine or not, of what you know it means to have a passion. Yeah. You know, purpose and and it, it really is it really is cool, so to so to speak, what you're doing and breath of uh, fresh air to us who try to get the word out there. And thank you for having me on the show today. And hopefully, we can help you do that.
0: Yeah, thank you. No, it. it what, I mean, I did. I just got back from Mexico City. There was a Latin American vascular conference known as Hendelat That was incredible. That's where I was able to bump into Vanessa Rubio. She's a vascular and thoracic surgeon, and her dad. Gustavo Rubio, a cardiovascular surgeon, their father and daughter surgeons working together at Clinica Vascular de Guadalajara in Guadalajara, Mexico. And I was so fascinated by them and the fact that they have this daddy-daughter dynamic. They're working together and the fact that his dad her dad didn't even want her to become a surgeon he wanted her to become a singer so i'm hoping that they get off the plane they're able to land and be able to jump on here very soon so we can hear their story because it is incredibly inspiring but you know what i i kicked off the week actually robert by heading right after i had a birthday dinner on monday and right afterwards At 1 a.m., I flew out last minute for a meeting and presentation alongside Congressman Henry Quaylar and Mission Vascular's Dr. Pedro Mago in McAllen, Texas, about two miles from the uh, Texas-Mexico border, and we were talking about the Amputation Reduction and Compassion Act, known as ARC, which would require Medicare and group insurance to cover initial testing for poor circulation in the legs known as peripheral artery disease, which I know you know all too well, and so many of our listeners now who've been listening to us for a while know a lot about. Um, This ARC Act would also require that hospitals and surgeons um, perform a vascular assessment in order to get reimbursed for any amputation that they perform. And it was incredible to actually see this congressman so passionate about putting a stop to preventable amputations by encouraging an early diagnosis where frontline treatment, of course, is merely medicine and lifestyle modifications and preventing surgeons from just cutting off people's legs without attempting to restore blood flow in their blocked leg arteries. So we're hoping that all the media coverage that we got at the event will help lead to constituents urging lawmakers across the country to pass this ARC Act sooner rather than later. I don't know if you're familiar with the ARC Act or if that's something that is important to you as well, Robert.
6: Um, yeah well obviously it's it's important forget what it means to me it's 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 what it means to to the people afflicted you know the people that yeah. otherwise would not have um, this kind of testing or this kind of evaluation um, to to prevent the easy fix which is you know it's an easy fix um, it, you know quote end quote um, in the sense that you cut the leg off the problem is gone. No, the leg is gone. And, and that's what we're trying to avoid is, is among other things is to, to lose a leg. You know, it, it it's, it's, yeah, your pain is gone, but it, it means a wheelchair. It means extra care. It means, you know, the, the, the psychosocial implications are tremendous. You know, the, the lack of, of gainful employment, uh, just it, it, it multiplies and, you know, into into more and more complications, more burden of every type. You know, obviously yeah. for the patient and 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 our country. You know, so I think that that ARC Act. And I read, uh, you know, your the the presentation, and and I'm very proud of you, and good job. Uh, keep doing those kind of things. So what it means to me is irrelevant, as you know, in in in, in compared to what it means to to our yeah. community. I wanted to apologize to you guys. I'm not distracted or have ADD. I'm driving, so I'm going to park here soon. Uh, if you see me looking around, it's it's uh, it, it's something I have to do. But um, no, but to answer your question, yes, it, it's it's important to all of us. Good job. No, it, it is important.
0: It is incredibly important. It is Peripheral Artery Disease Awareness Month. And so it's really good timing that we are talking about this and that it was just comforting to see. I mean, you're on the front lines with patients as an interventional cardiologist, and I'm on the front lines with patients as a patient advocate and so, to see lawmakers actually doing something about a disease that's more prevalent and deadlier than all cancers combined, except for lung cancer, I mean, it's about time we do something. Well, you know, I saw a, a stat that was really disturbing yesterday from the American Diabetes Association that said that now they're estimating that one in every two adults in the US has diabetes. And that is. Hugely a concern to me and to you and to folks across the country because peripheral artery disease is one of the most prevalent complications of diabetes. And it's because the sugar molecules end up scratching the arteries, triggering that inflammatory response. The plaque goes in there and, you know, gets into the, the cracks and the damaged areas of the walls. You know, pushing them out and leading to narrowed vessels or blocked vessels in the legs, which can put someone at risk for amputation. So it's 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 really, really interesting. Well, you know what? We're coming up on break here and we still have not had a plane land with those with our two amazing vascular surgeon guests and we will get to them at some point but we do have a couple of callers patients calling in which have some questions for you doctor if you're game for answering some questions um so stay with us right here on the heart of innovation and we're going to get to some of our callers in just a moment
5: Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today's show is just a little bit of a free for all. We have Dr. John Phillips, who called in just before the show began and said, I'm running into the operating room to save a leg. I'm on call today. I will try to pop in if I can before the end of the show, but may or may not happen. We have two vascular surgeons from Mexico that I met at this amazing Latin American conference um, called Hendelat in Mexico City the past couple of days. I just got back or from traveling internationally, if you really call Mexico traveling internationally, (laughs) it's right here. Um, But I ended up uh, meeting them there. They're on a plane. Their plane is late. They're waiting to land at this moment. So we'll see if they make the show. Um, We have Dr. Robert Coronado, who has generously... donated his time to be a guest co-host for the day we have some folks that are calling in that do have a question or two for him I want to start with Ashley Ashley is calling in actually wow you are listening Ashley from Rochester New York yes we're ready Hi, for winter welcome. Here. welcome 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 to the heart of innovation so what do you have going on what is your question for Dr. Robert Coronado
7: Yes, I'm a 37-year-old woman who used to compete nationally and in New York State Winter Games, and I also have a Ph.D. in chemical engineering. I have been knocked off my feet, now bed-bound and in a wheelchair, due to severe thigh pain when walking and standing and exerting. Latest scans show iliac vein compressions, but doctors are confused as to how it can be in both legs. So I was sent home with no answers and no treatment. What do I do?
0: Oh, that's a good question because, you know, doctor, you know, May Thurner is his compression, right? That's mainly in the left, but she has bilateral. What do you think?
6: Well, so um, first of all, uh, I appreciate the question. Um, the, the issue with, with Mae Thurner, um, it could be bilateral. Um, most, oh, okay. of the time it, most of the time it's, most um, of the time it's, it's, um, hold on one second I'm just trying to find a
0: little no actually how long have you been living you know with this and how did it progress
7: yeah so I've been living for this for about three years now and initially I started with weakness and with a little bit of pain which I was able to manage mostly with compression stockings and with Tylenol but as things progressed, and I kept pushing myself to walk and to exercise because I thought maybe I had peripheral arterial disease. And so I kept pushing myself, and the pain just got worse and worse and worse. And what started initially in the front of the thigh, it that went then went into the whole thigh, is also now into the glute and also into the low back. And then eventually, I just could no longer walk or stand because it just became too painful. And so now I basically act like I'm a paraplegic and transfer like I'm a paraplegic because any movement of the legs or use of the muscles causes the severe pain and elevation of my legs relieves the symptom.
6: Yeah. So, so, um, when you have iliac vein compression, um, it's a very loose term. Um, it could be severe, uh, in which case, uh, I, I can't imagine them not fixing it. Correct. Um, because that's, that's when it's severe. It's obviously a very serious situation. You're a setup for blood clots and a setup for, for continued symptoms. Um, it's rarely bilateral.
0: Recording in um, progress.
6: And, and you, what you want to make sure um, is that, that somebody, when they went in to measure, uh, to look at your iliacs, if they did it with a CAT scan, Something has to be compressing it. You don't just have iliac vein compression out of the blue. So try to find out an answer to that. Say, what is compressing it would be your number one question. The number two question would be, how bad is the compression? And they can usually tell you by percentage-wise, or they can go in and measure the pressure gradients. So the pressure should be the same in the entire iliac vein. But if there's a compression that's bad enough, you're going to get what's called a gradient, meaning the pressure is going to be higher in the lower part of it than it is in the higher part. Because remember, it's going for the low part from your feet to the higher part, which is your heart. So if there's a compression, there's going to be more pressure just on the lower part before that narrowing. If there's no gradient and no significant compression, I would highly doubt that your pain is due to that iliac vein compression. Um, the iliac vein compression, um, is the symptoms are a little bit, um, different. I, if you're in a wheelchair, if you can't walk, there's gotta be something else going on in my humble opinion, without being your doctor, um, you know, and, and I'm I'm speaking on general terms cause I don't have your scans. I haven't really examined you. I don't have a whole lot, but what you're, you're giving me. But in general, maytherner or, or really, iliac vein mean, compression isn't quite that painful. It's usually very swollen legs. Um, you, you may have um, uh, something else like neurologic, like your back or anything like that. I'm sure when they got to the CAT scans, they looked at all of that. But
7: yeah, they for, did, like, right? Yeah. Oh, Ashley? That was all hey. normal. Yeah, so I neurosurgeon, he neurosurgeon. Ruled all back problems, saw a couple of neurologists
6: all rolled out. Wow. Well, I would, I would get those questions answered. Uh, I would get the question answered on, you know, if I've got narrowing, what's compressing it? Number one, Um, why is it narrowed? Um, And number two is how bad is it narrowed? And if they say, oh, it's insignificant, it's mild because that's an easy fix. A very easy fix. Um, Then, then, you know, it's not, it's Mm -hmm. that's the reason that you're having these symptoms. And, Sorry,
0: and I Ashley, okay. Ashley um, what what has what have the doctors actually said to you? What are the next steps for you?
7: Well, so there aren't any next steps. So the one I just saw I casually mentioned that I needed an enogram. They weren't doing it because I haven't had a call yet. Hanging.
0: Okay, so... You know, but she has, I mean, is there anything else, I mean, that you can think of? It's just so crazy to see someone who's a young woman at 37 years old, Ph.D. scientist, um, you know, former semi, you know, professional athlete out there. And this thigh pain is so bad that she just can't even exert. It's I mean, it's it could be something rare and unknown. Who knows?
6: Yeah, as you know, it, 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 she doesn't have the risk factors from what I can tell. She's a scientist. She's probably a non-smoker, non-diabetic. Am I correct on that? Correct. Yep. And, yes. uh, you know, for, for issues related to peripheral arterial disease, which most of the PAD, peripheral, peripheral arterial disease, tends to be distal. In other words, what you would be complaining is calf muscle tightness every right. time you walk, and so forth. That's not what mm-hmm. you're describing. You're describing proximal symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not really describing venous insufficiency, which is what what you would kind of, and when I say kind of, May Therner has components of venous insufficiency, uh, only it's compression versus valvular break. Um, and that would be a lot of swelling mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of, uh, and when I say a lot, I mean, you could just sink your, your fingers into it and you can see your legs are um, are obviously grotesquely enlarged you know not a little bit of swelling you can have mild maytherner which is which is which has a bigger gradient with mild edema but most of the time it's a pretty impressive finding and it's usually like like kim was mentioning it's asymmetrical it's the left side more um mm-hmm. are you on any medications uh, right now that would that would um, um for example any cholesterol lowering agents come to mind no no, so they
7: did put me on aspirin twice a day, which has helped with the pain and with thinning the blood. The other medication that was really helpful was cilostazol. Mm,
6: that's interesting. Cilostazol um, is 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 um, a medication a for peripheral, for peripheral arterial disease and and somewhat of a vasodilator. I I wouldn't think that that would help the thighs, um, but you're an enigma. Right. I mean, I, I, if, without any findings, like a bunch of varicose veins there, without any uh, anatomical uh, changes to your leg, uh, I would really get those two questions answered and say, you know, I spoke to somebody about my, my iliac vein compression, mm-hmm. um, and um, and he, he um, was interested in seeing what was compressing it and how bad the compression is. Because if you don't have that, I doubt we're dealing with a vascular issue if 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 it's not significant and I doubt that they would leave it alone if that makes any sense you know if it's significant or at least a follow-up plan like saying okay you got an issue here it's not just mild it's at least moderate or severe and this is what we do you know so I would go back to them or or you know seek another opinion
0: And thank you so much, Dr. Coronado. Thank you, Ashley, for your question. We do have another patient that is calling in that also feels a little brushed off with no answers um, with his care and wants to talk to you, Dr. Coronado. So we're going to get to his call coming up next right here on the Heart of Innovation. So stay with us. Life and limb could depend on it.
5: Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Dr. John Phillips remains working on saving a leg in the operating room at Ohio Health in Ohio. He was on call today and ended up with an emergency, so he is not with us today. He might pop in before the end of the show. We don't know, depending on how the procedure goes. We also had two vascular surgeons, talk about a perfect storm, who were supposed to join us, whom I met in Mexico City at the Latin American Conference Pendolats. And somehow they have not landed in Guadalajara um, back in their hometown as of yet. But Dr. Robert Coronado is pinch hitting as a guest host today Um, for us. Thank you again, Dr. Coronado, for being here. I know you're on the go and you have some things to get done. So we appreciate your your time and being here.
6: (laughs) Goes both ways. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, In the last session, we were talking Uh, to Ashley about her venous issues. And during the break, it was really interesting that you were mentioning that it's probably no surprise that she's having a lot of trouble with her venous issues, getting some sort of definitive answer and potential diagnosis and treatment for her venous issues, because there's so much happening uh, with vein research right now and innovation around treatment options, correct?
6: Yeah, I'll I'll to some extent, there's, there's interest, there's not a lot happening. And that's what we have to change. You know, um, uh, we need, we need more. Um, and, and, um, the people that, that cross over to the other side as, as we, we say it in, in cardiology oh, you went to the dark side, um, it truly, uh, it's not a misnomer when you say the dark side, it's very dark. We, we need some flashlights out here on the Venus side, meaning more interest, more research, more curiosity, more investigation. Um, it's not just treat the venous disorder, but what does what does that structure really mean? It's kind of like finding a, you know, a, a hypothalamus, you know, in your brain, which controls all of the uh, or a pituitary gland that controls all the hormones in your body. It's a small little thing, and you think it's like nothing, but without it, you you can't survive. And up until we knew what it did, it was just a little structure that we saw in autopsy, but. But when we found out what it did, we were blown away by what that little edbdp sized organ in our brain does. And the vascular system, the venous side of it, all we really use the veins for are to draw blood. There are no medications that focus on the venous side of the circulation. There's hundreds on the arterial side. Every stent, every pacemaker, everything that we know is on the arterial side, yet the venous side is larger than... And and more extensive than the um, than the arterial. For example, under your skin in 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 the big, which is the biggest organ of the body, underneath it are no arteries. It's all veins, you know. It's all veins, and there's a lot of capillaries, but there really are no arteries. And to the point that if you suffer an incision in your leg and it only goes, say, a couple centimeters, half an inch, and it's you know it could be twelve inches long, but it only goes half an inch. You won't bleed to death, you know. It's just little venules, little veins that you're, you're 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 going to cut. You don't want to do it, of course. But if you do it, rest assured, you're not going to die from a bleed because there are no arteries there. So a lot of places where there aren't any arteries, which is a lot of veins. Veins are very they they hold the mystery to a lot of illnesses and diseases, and and some of us have been um, promoting, you know, this this promoting an interest in this field for, for well over a decade. Uh, I've been lecturing on the new frontier. My, my comp, my main, uh, um, talk, if you will, I, I've, I've done several, but I think my favorite is changing the paradigm of cardiovascular medicine. And, um, yet for me, it's exciting for the other physicians that are so busy dealing with the day to day issues, such as heart attacks and stroke and heart failure, which are very important. Um, but, but you become a worker bee and part of the practice of medicine is research investigation and, you know, uh, advancing, advancing knowledge, discovery. And I don't see it happening on the Venus side the way I would like it to happen. We're kind of a, you know, man on the moon in this area. Now, now it's not so doom and gloom because there are, um, excellent, you know, well, well-known physicians, that are starting to go into this field. And every time I run into them at the national conferences, they come to me and they say, wow, there's so much in this field, yeah. but it's hard to convince somebody to come into it. So, um, for us, it's, it's, you know, the ones that are in that we, we find a, a new world, uh, an absolutely new world that, that will unlock a lot of mysteries. Um, some of those investigations, um, uh, that we have are under, you know, they're under patent in the sense that we're trying to discover something that nobody has ever seen or found or observed. The same thing redundant a little bit, but that's, that's, that's how in diapers this stage is that we're seeing things that nobody's ever seen. And, and we want to know what those things that we're seeing mean, because if we can change medicine, change vascular health, Coming at it from a different direction, I think that's where the next Nobel Prize in medicine is going to be. If not the next one, a future Nobel Prize or several of them are going to be on that side. And are we pursuing that? Well, we'd like to get close. If we get it, we'll see. But, but I, I it's it's uh, I, I can't say enough about the the enthusiasm, the excitement that we have working in that field.
3: Don't go anywhere. The heart of innovation will return after these messages here on eight sixty AM. The answer. And now, a special medical notepad from Dr. John Phillips.
4: Welcome to this week's medical notepad, sponsored by The Weight of My Heart and Abbott Vascular. My name is John Phillips. I am co-host of The Heart of Innovation, as well as founder of the Save My Piggies educational initiative. And today, we're going to talk about the difference between antiplatelets, and anticoagulants in treating peripheral arterial disease. If you've been diagnosed with peripheral arterial disease, meaning blockages in an artery, particularly in the legs, oftentimes we put you on a medication called aspirin or another type of antiplatelet called clopidogrel, both of which have been proven to reduce cardiovascular events meaning heart attack or stroke in patients who have blocked arteries. See, the body doesn't really discriminate where the arteries get blocked. It can be in the legs, but it can also be in the heart, and it can also be in the neck. That can cause stroke, heart attack, and the pain that you get with walking called claudication when you have peripheral arterial disease. The purpose of using an antiplatelet whether it be aspirin or clopidogrel, is to prevent the platelets, which are blood products, from clumping together and causing a clot and thus narrowing the vessel, leading to symptoms. Now, we also provide and prescribe patients with anticoagulants. Historically, the major anticoagulant was warfarin or Coumadin. That affects the blood clotting in a different way. And that was historically used for patients who had blood clots in their veins that moved to the lungs called pulmonary embolism or those that have heart rhythm issues called atrial fibrillation, which can cause clots. However, there's some data to suggest that low-dose anticoagulants can help patients with peripheral arterial disease, not only after an intervention or procedure where a stent may have been placed or a bypass has been done, but those that have stable peripheral arterial disease or coronary artery disease. The most common one used in the vascular space is rivaroxaban at a low dose in conjunction with aspirin. We often do not prescribe full dose anticoagulation in patients with peripheral arterial disease, but there are some exceptions, particularly those that have a lot of stents put in, long blockages in the legs, and or have had bypass in the legs. But again, it's not uncommon, and in fact, it's a guideline and a recommendation for patients to be on an antiplatelet, whether it be aspirin or clopidogrel, and there's also recommendations for the use of low-dose anticoagulants in patients that have peripheral arterial disease. So make sure you ask your doctor, if they're prescribing a medication that's new to you, maybe aspirin or clopidogrel, why they're doing it, and what some of the side effects should you're looking for. Typically, the biggest side effect is easy bruising, but there can be some bleeding issues, so you need to be aware of that. If you're also prescribed an anticoagulant like rivaroxaban, the commercial name is Zoralto, there too may be an increase in bleeding risk. So you want to make sure you tell your doctor about any problems you've had with bleeding or particularly an ulcer or cuts uh, that you get and, and you have a hard time getting the blood to stop. They want to do, your physician wants to do what's right for you, and they are going to prescribe the appropriate medications, assuming you can take them. And that is my recommendation and comments regarding the differences and uses of antiplatelets versus anticoagulants. And again, my name is John Phillips for this week's Medical Notepad.
0: For real-time support and advocacy, go to thewaytomyheart.org. Remember, the advice and views offered are for educational and informational purposes only. Always get explicit consent from your own healthcare team before using any information provided in this series. With this week's Medical Notepad, I'm Kim McNicholas.
5: Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation, For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy award-winning journalist, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist, Dr. John Phillips.
0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to the show. Of course, Dr. John Phillips still in the operating room right now, trying to perform a leg-saving procedure. He's been on call and he had an emergency called in this morning. Uh, Meantime, a couple of vascular surgeons still haven't heard from them. I'm guessing that they have still flight delays, so they haven't been able to join us either from Guadalajara, Mexico. So Dr. Robert Coronado has generously donated his time to be with us today and answer questions um, from patients of, across the U.S. who are tuning into the show um, this afternoon. So thank you again, Dr. Robert Coronado um, for, for joining us. We've been talking and hearing um, about veins, but we also want to turn to we'll think coronary right now. You are an interventional cardiologist as well. And we have Douglas who is on the line and um, wants to talk about his experience um, with a surgeon just in the past couple of days that he wants to share. Douglas.
2: Yes. Um, so, Mine's like, I'll make it quick, like a confession of a walkaholic and and a question and a thought process here for the doctor. So this is how I have an axial biphemal bypass that's blocked and I've been diagnosed with CAD. So yesterday morning, I had a little episode where I got dizzy, missed a step and I fell. Now, this is all while I have to drive to Houston to see my heart doctor yesterday. I get up, drive two hours to Houston, and this is basically how the visit went. It was three hours and 22 minutes. I saw the doctor for a total of about 20 minutes, and 15 of those, he was on the phone outside the door with another case, and and it, it's, it's that thought that, I started to ask questions, his phone went off, and then he had to leave, and then he came back and answered one question, then we got busy doing all the paperwork, and I didn't really get, and I left with a sense of, uh, uh, he told me I had a blood clot, I needed up my Xarelto, he told me my heart was only pumping about 50% of what it's supposed to be pumping physically, and he wants me to start this new medication. But that was it. And so it's like, I had an answer, but I didn't. And I didn't get really hurt. And I didn't to get hurt. So, and here it is Saturday. I've been having episodes all, all morning with somebody sticking their finger. It feels like someone takes their thumb and puts it on my heart and it skips or it beats out of my chest if I cough. It hurts so bad. So it was like, how do you get the doctor, how do we get doctors to understand that? I spent, I spent four hours driving and three hours in an office and only really got about 15 minutes worth of visit and it was, I heard, but I wasn't heard. Does that make, does, does, does that yes. make to you? And now I, I, and I'm and i thinking every time I feel like this pressure on my heart, is this the next one? Is this the next one? Is this the next one? I fell yesterday and got all bruised up. And
6: it's like, well, I guess I just have to live with this. Yeah. You know, I, first of all, I'm sorry that, about your experience. It certainly isn't, uh, you know, something that the medical profession should be proud of. You know, when somebody takes three hours and is seen for a true five minutes after you, you distill it all, Um, You know, one of the goals of medical excellence, there's two issues here, A, what's going on with you, B, your experience with, you know, your physician. Let's start with with your experience with your physician. Um, My father, who was not a physician, always told me, look, when your patient leaves your office, you want to make sure that whatever their complaint was, was heard. And number two was addressed, of course, and number three was that they could go to the Thanksgiving dinner and when asked by the son or grandson or granddaughter, you know, grandpa, what did the doctor say that you can say, Oh, he said my dizziness is because of this and that he's going to check my carotids, make sure it's not narrowed, but he probably thinks I'm not hydrated. You know, give some kind of explanation to that grandkid. You can't do that because you don't know, you don't even know for yourself. So, so, um, that's about experience. Uh, if it continues to happen, I would certainly, uh, uh, you know, talk to the office managers who you would get, you know, talk to the office manager and say, look, my experience has been less. And explain what you just said. Um, they should understand. And if they don't, then you need to go to another clinic. Now, with respect to what's going on with you, um, you have a Bifem bypass uh, and you, you, you have some coronary artery disease you have some cardiac symptoms, you're concerned about your dizziness, you fell, you've got an injury. Um, honestly, if you are having concerns uh, and sy- cardiac symptoms that were not addressed and you still are having them, I hate to I hate to overburden the emergency rooms, but if you get dizzy again, I would go. Because what I would do, just from what you're telling me, is I would certainly check and see if you've had a recent stress test, make sure the plumbing in your heart is okay. Um, that's I what the cardiac. Been-
2: I had four tests. The stress test, he says, I'm a little below what my age is. And and I had a myectomy September of last year. And it's been just getting, steadily getting worse since then. I had the MRI and all that. And that's where he said, I understand. He said, my heart's supposed to be pumping 75 to 80. But it has now dropped to 50 and keeps going. And he hopes this medication that he puts me on stops it from going further down.
6: Okay. Um the heart normally pumps from from 50 to 70. 80 is a little too much. But 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 getting back to to the dizziness. None of that addresses the dizziness. If you've had blocked arteries in your leg and you have blocked arteries in your in your heart, it's reasonable to say that you should have an evaluation of the arteries going to your brain. And those are the carotids. And have you had that study, a carotid ultrasound
0: where I they look at did. the arteries? I think you did. <laughs>
2: I, I did uh, like two years ago. They said they they saw some, but it wasn't nothing at that at, at that time to worry about.
6: The other concern I would have about dizziness because um, dizziness is not usually a a, a a symptom of a narrowed carotid artery. What is more a symptom of of or a cause or potential cause of dizziness is a myocardial arrhythmia, meaning your heart is not beating the way it's supposed to, and then has this arrhythmia that could last seconds to minutes to hours. Um, sometimes most of them are last only a few seconds to minutes. And when that happens, blood flow is an optimal because it's out of rhythm and it, it suffers everywhere. But where we feel it is our brain. And so we can get dizzy with an arrhythmia. And especially if you're feeling your heart skipping a beat, um, I would definitely um, address these issues with some blood work, make sure calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium, thyroid, those things are normal. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that uh, if no blood has been drawn uh, and no Holter monitor to see what the skip beat is, that that should be done. And if there's no avenue to get to your doctor right now, and you continue to have these symptoms, if you go to the emergency room and tell them what you're having you're concerned about these things at the very minimum the blood will be drawn your heart will be monitored which was not done at your uh doctor visit when you were there
0: we're coming up right here on the heart of innovation we will have final thoughts from dr robert coronado so stay with us
5: welcome back to the heart of innovation for more on today's topic go to the heart that's the heart Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist, Dr. John Phillips.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is our final segment of the show. And we were finishing up our last segment with um, Douglas, who was talking about a disconcerting experience he had with his cardiovascular doctor in Texas just the other day. Um, and Dr. Robert Coronado is our guest co-host for the day because Dr. John Phillips is still in the operating room trying to save a leg. And two vascular surgeons that we did have as guests as well, Perfect Storm, um, have not landed in Guadalajara. And so we'll have to probably say to be continued next Saturday, where I bet you they will join us as well once again. But, um, you know, Douglas, you were hearing Dr. Coronado's thoughts. I do, I do, I,
2: yeah, I do have. I, I- they did put, I went and saw the uh, my regular heart doctor. He put me on a heart monitor for eight days, and it recorded like 48 episodes. And he put me on chem's Ziles, took me off, put me on, took me off. So, and I think it comes down to that. My thought was, I was a licensed chemical dependency counselor for like 30 years. And I always made sure when my client, and that, left my office that he knew he was understood, that he was actually listened to. Mm -hmm. I made absolutely sure I never had to answer my phone or nobody interrupted because my whole goal was that that client was addressed. His needs were addressed at that time. And so it was like I'm sitting there, he starts talking, his little phone on his watch goes off and then he says, excuse me, I have to go. And then Mm -hmm. he comes back 15 minutes later.
6: You know, I can't say I've never done that, but I can tell you, I can count them on one hand where where my phone is answered while I'm with a patient. And and kudos to you for giving that kind of attention to your patients. You have to spend the time, you have to listen because you don't you don't evaluate a patient by talking; you evaluate it by listening. And I'm sorry you had that experience, but I'm glad you're getting monitored. And um, and uh, you know, I wish you the best. I hope those those tests come out fine and and it's just more of your anxiety and fear than it is a reality but until until you find out you're going to you you know it's you you got to assume the worst i mean you don't have to but you're going to and um i, I would get answers to get that out of your head
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Robert Coronado. And thank you so much, Douglas, for sharing your story. We've got to wrap up. We're out of time. We appreciate everyone and all your courage for bringing your stories and sharing your experiences. And we will hopefully have the two vascular surgeons that were supposed to be on today back on next week. And John Phillips will be back as well with hopefully a leg saving success. Have a great weekend, everyone.
5: You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with TheWayToMyHeart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to TheHeartOfInnovation.org. That's TheHeartOfInnovation.org.